Do you ever feel like the deck is stacked against you? Like you've hit some kind of glass ceiling and you aren't sure how to get past it? You're not alone. And today we're delving into a topic that I think really will resonate. In this episode, we're going to unravel the complexities, share stories of triumph over adversity, and explore ways to break through those seemingly insurmountable barriers. So whether you're facing professional roadblocks, personal challenges, or you're just looking for that extra push to overcome some hurdles, stick around because we're about to turn obstacles into stepping stones. You're listening to Radiant Womanhood, the podcast for multi-passionate women who are ready to shake off their limitations, dream big, and live fully. I'm Tabitha Blue, a wife, mom of six, author, life coach, and entrepreneur, and I know firsthand the challenges women can experience when it comes to balancing life's demands, staying true to yourself, and navigating the many curveballs life can throw. And guess what? I'm obsessed with helping you navigate all the crazy seasons of this thing called life with confidence and grace. Join me each week as I delve into topics from habit making to goal setting, career balancing to relationship nurturing, and everything in between, helping you get out of your own way and embody the radiance within. So grab your headphones, shut out the distractions, and get ready to shine. Let's dive in. Our guest today is not only an immigrant, but also a mother like me, but who, against all odds, rose to a top position in a massive male-dominated field, proving that dreams can thrive even in the face of challenges. So I am so excited for this episode today. Please welcome my friend, Orietta. She's a trailblazer in her own right. So Ori, thank you so much for being here with us today. It's so good to hang out with you, Tabitha. I love seeing you, and I love hanging out with you all in too. Yes, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. I'm excited about this conversation because your journey, like, I don't even remember, it was a couple months ago and we were in a conversation talking and your journey really was inspiring to me. And that's one reason I knew that you needed to be on here so other women could hear it. So can you share with our listeners a little bit about your background and journey a little bit and maybe some of those obstacles that you encountered along the way? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we, a couple months ago, I think we had like basically a 20 minute conversation and we just got very deep, very quickly, which I love about our friendship. So it was a very just challenging, you know, upbringing in Venezuela. And I grew up without my mom, like only with my dad. It was kind of a very weird childhood, I guess. And by the time I graduated high school, my mom was living in the States. So I decided to move with her. And this was supposed to be a temporary thing, right? So, you know, kind of learn the language get a degree, move back. Well, I decided to follow my heart and get a journalism degree. And when I actually looked into moving back and realized that with my degree, I couldn't really do much because of freedom of speech and all the situations that were happening in Venezuela, I said, okay, let me just, you know, gather my thoughts, think this through. So after graduation, I just, I started kind of like testing my luck and applying to a couple of things. And I got a job at the end of that summer. And that job was through a connection of, you know, at a local TV station and some work that I had done. And I think it just, it was very serendipitous, like the way it happened. They reached out to me and I applied. And then I think after that, when I saw that it was like possible for me to have a career and like actually kind of live my dream, even if that meant not going back home, then I was like, I have to try this out. And here we are 20 years later, still trying it out. Right. Still trying out, still doing it. But I love that, that there was a moment where I mean, you were passionate, you had a goal, and then you decided it's okay to pivot. And I think that that's something that's really important for 
I mean, really for everyone to understand in life, like it's okay to pivot. It doesn't matter if you're young or if you're old or if you're past the age you thought you would start something. I shared something the other day about the ages of you know, Henry Ford when he started Ford or Walt Disney when he started Disney, just all of these different ones that started great things. And it was later years. And so I think so many times we can be afraid to pivot, even if it leads, it could lead to something, you know, maybe where you're supposed to be or something better than you thought. But it's yeah. the fear of that initial pivot. Wait, wait, this is different than I thought. I don't know, you know, and you weren't afraid to take that, that little change and say, it's okay. <laughs> I think it, you know, pivoting is like a natural part of life, right? So for me at that time, I had to pivot, but it was a pivot based on, yes, logic, but there was a huge kind of like heart signal and intuition that was telling me like, maybe it's not the time. And it doesn't mean it's never going to happen. It just means that right now you're meant to be somewhere else. And, you know, after I kind of accomplished my dream and did all the amazing things I set out to do as a journalist and did all the things from, you know, production to interviewing, you know, gigantic stars and being in front of the TV and, and doing all, all things. After that, I was like, okay, like, what's my new goal? And my new goal was, you know, I was like, I, I kind of like the ultimate goal for me is to have a family and to be a mom. And I discovered that later in life, like around 28. And I was like, what changes do I have to make to make that happen? Mm. And I said, okay, I have to change careers because with journalism, I wake up in one country and then the next day you're in the other, <laughs> or at least with, you know, my, my career at the time. So I said, okay, let me just like switch into something that kind of allows for me to have a little bit more predictability and stability, but still do something fun, still do something in communications. And I decided after, you know, achieving my dream, I decided to pivot and pursue a new dream. And that dream was to have a family. And with that dream came a new career, which was marketing. And then as I got into marketing, I was like, wait, I was always meant to do this instead of journalism because this is a lot more creative, a lot more, it just flows better, right? And it allows me to have, you know, the real dream that I wanted, which was to have my family. So it's, it's been fantastic. I love that. And I love how all those things, like you said, you weren't, weren't afraid to pivot, but yet all those steps felt right at the right time, but then led you to this. But you actually stepped back and took stock of what do I want this to look like? Yeah. You know, what steps do I need to take to get there? And so I think that's huge how you were able to kind of navigate that and stay true to your goals. And then even now you've really climbed this ladder in, like I mentioned at the beginning, really a male dominated field. And you've climbed this ladder even starting, I guess you could say later in life and with the goal of building this career and building a family, which is no small feat. So what are some of the strategies or maybe routines that you do to maintain that harmony between this professional life and your personal life? Yeah, I want to say that whatever I do or did, it's never without fear. There is fear and the fear to pivot is gigantic, but I think you have to believe that you can do it. And in terms of like how I kind of got there, some of the things that like help me, I think you have to be really honest with yourself and like really know what you like. In, in our culture, you know, Latino parents are always telling us like, you have to be a lawyer, you have to be a doctor. And for women, it's like, actually, that's not your role. You kind of should stay at home and like raise the kids. Why are you working? Like, I still hear those things from my family every now and then. But I believe that I have a different path, you know? And for me, kind of having that honesty, right, with myself and not trying to continue to repeat to myself the story that my parents told me, that my society told me, that my culture told me. 
I think have been really game changing because it's like, it's my life and I'm not trying to insult anyone, but I am just trying to be very honest. And so with that honesty, what are the things that work for me? And then Mm -hmm. that turned into starting to slowly but surely kind of build the routine and the day-to-day and everything that I like. And that just kind of allows you to grow very quickly, right? Like very quickly, you'll find your footing and very quickly, you'll be able to do the things that you never thought you could do, right? And it just kind of comes natural, right? Because you have the tools, you went to school, whether for that or for something else, you believe in yourself, you're disciplined, you are dedicated, you're really fully committed to what you're doing. I think that kind of just starts showing as time goes on. And it's hard because you always think, am I going to fail? Is this going to work out? But if you kind of put that to the side and just say, like, if I give it my all and it still fails, at least I tried it. I think that's kind of Mm -hmm. been the key, like, yes, we pivoted later in life and like did things differently and don't have a marketing degree, but I have a communications degree. So it's like, it it really is about kind of going all in and really believing that it's going to work out. Mm, That's good. Well, I like how you're saying that just, I believe that I can do it. I believe it's going to happen. I believe it's going to work out. And there's something so powerful to that. Like we've all seen, I'm sure articles now and the research, because it's been out for so long, that different Olympic trainers use with Olympians to visualize visualization, or they even call it imagery because it goes beyond that. They're like, you have to like see it, but almost like smell it (laughs) and feel it. And so some Olympians will be like, yeah, we look crazy because we're all kind of standing to the side, or maybe we're all in the airport and our arms are moving because we're standing there, not in the airport, but seeing ourselves go down this hill and take these, you know, on our skis or whatever it is and visualizing themselves making it happen, getting to the top, winning, whatever it is. And I think even in life with our families or with our careers and different things, sometimes taking that moment and just looking and say, okay, I can do this. What does it look like when I do this? Let me take a minute and just visualize what this is going to look like or feel like Because it's almost like our brain starts to create a pathway, even it makes it easier for it to happen. We begin to see more opportunities for those things to happen. And I think that's important in our careers. I love how you said that. You're like, I just believed that I could do it. And you started to see it. And then you did it. And it doesn't mean that there wasn't fear. But you even mentioned you kind of just had to put some of those feelings aside and say, I'm going to go all in anyway. And then also, yeah, once you go all in, I think failure is also part of success. So, you know, we take those strides and we learn from it and then we still go all in, see what it looks like and go for it again. You know, you learn so much from failure. Mm -hmm. It's kind of insane to think that we shouldn't do something because we're going to fail because that process, you know, obviously risk management, like you have to think about, you know, don't like sell your house, like fund your business. I I don't know, maybe do, I don't know. But (laughs) you have to think about kind of what you're doing, but not like a blind, you know, I believe this can happen for me, but like really kind of assess it. And like the last piece really is you and the components of you. I love the example of athletes because one of my biggest inspirations as a mother and as a career woman is Serena Williams and the documentary that she did where she kind of went through, I think it was four episodes of, you know, her journey back into kind of being the world champion, it was so interesting how she saw herself as this entity who managed her mind and who managed her body. And so when her body failed her because it wasn't responding to whatever she needed to be or the same things that she would do before as an athlete before having her child, 
it wasn't her. It wasn't I, Serena, I'm failing. It was more of my body's failing me. What are the things I need to do mm-hmm. for my body for it to perform at the levels I want it to? What does it need to recover? That's good. Yeah. And then the same thing with her mind. Like my mind was telling me that I couldn't do. My mind was telling me that. And I think like creating that separation between you, your mind and your body and like understanding that each of those require, have like a different metric for like well-being. Mm-hmm. I think that's huge because yeah, there are going to be moments, right, in life where your body isn't cooperating. And there are going to be moments where your mind is, you know, being afraid mm-hmm. and telling you that you should do A, B, or C. But there is this ultimate power to override both things, right? And yes. decide yes. like, okay, mind, I need to talk to you because we need to get on the same page and we're going to do right. it. We're going to do this. Yes. And with the body's like, what do you need? How do we get to where we need to be? And how can I just either accept you or work with you? So I think that was really eye-opening for me. That was, I guess, a little bit ago. It was a couple of years ago when it came out. And it was very eye-opening because it's like, I've always kind of perceived it that way to be mm-hmm. three different things. And now I'm like, oh, yes, this is something that athletes do. And it's a mindset that I can also kind of work into my life. Right, right. Oh, that's so good. That really is. And just seeing it, like how you like said, separating it that way. Like even when our mind goes into the mode of looking at something as fear, we can almost like talk to it and say, okay, what, what is the information that you're trying to give me? And then let's work through it. But separating it that way, not quite as strong, but it stuck with me. I mean, so I did modeling years ago and we were, I had to walk somewhere and it was freezing. It was just, it was cold. (laughs) And one of the girls that was there, she was like, cold is just a state of mind, like change your mind. And that stuck with me for for years. And, you know, it doesn't always have to do with being cold, (laughs) but just, you know, what I'm feeling right now, sometimes it can just be a state of mind. And then we get to make the choice. Okay, now I'm going to, I'm going to change that state of mind. So I love how you brought that up. And now I want to go watch that documentary. (laughs) You do. And I think one more thing, like, so what you just got to is there's the component of time, right? It's uncomfortable right now for Mm -hmm. my body and for my mind. And for me in general, but once I get through this, maybe the quicker I get through it and the quicker I decide to go into it is like a cold plunge. The quicker I decide to go into it, the quicker it's over and I can get myself into blankets if you ultimately want to be warm, but want to get the benefits of being cold. Right. So I think kind of keeping that in mind, like this is just going to be a short-term suffering and it's going to be a short-term mind change. We're going to go back to normal. You can't always live like just, you know, push yourself to go through whatever you need to go through. It is momentary. A lot of sacrifice tends to be momentary. And so we have to keep that in mind too. Mm-hmm. That's so good. That's something that we use. I mean, as a mom, I use that with my kids. And now sometimes for myself, like we'll want to move on to the next thing. And so like you're talking about time, sometimes we'll set the timer and even say, okay, let's purposefully be uncomfortable for 10 minutes while we clean up this so that we can move on to the next good thing. And so even looking at it that way, like sometimes there's things in life that maybe aren't as fun to go through, but we could say, okay, but I'm going to give myself an amount of time to go through this to get to the next good thing because it's the next step. Like you mentioned, the cold plunge. We all know how many good benefits there are for it now. Is it comfortable or is it fun? No, not really. By far. (laughs) (laughs) Not at all, baby. But setting that intention to be like, it's a momentary thing. It's a small amount of time to reap these results. And so I think that that's huge as well, looking at things in terms of time and even obstacles, you know, that we can come up against. 
Yeah, I think that, I mean, that helped me a lot at the beginning of my career was like, well, okay, I don't get to go home after graduating college. What does that mean? You know, English still wasn't perfect. And obviously I was like looking for things to do in my language and, you know, all that. But it was like, okay, if I can just like stick this out for a year or two, like how good does this look when I go anywhere else? And then it turned into like, actually, I'm doing pretty well. And you kind of start liking the discomfort a little bit because you realize that the daily discomfort gives you growth and the things you want. Mm. And you, you know, like self indulgence is great at some points, but I think that, that discipline too of kind of doing the hard things when you need to do it, it just builds yes. cancer and it gives you so much joy in life to see, like, yes, I can do hard things and I can be an inspiration for others to do hard things and I can talk, you know, pep other people up whenever they're going through difficult things because you've been there, you know? So, mm-hmm. and I think that's really inspiring. Even that, like, you, didn't even speak English when you came over and started. And that was as a teenager, not even as a young child come up in it. And so that's where I think like even that being an immigrant that you have comes with its own unique set of hurdles. So would you mind sharing a minute of maybe even how your cultural background influenced your professional journey? And then maybe even like, how do you merge the two? And then maybe even what are some of the obstacles that you had to overcome or how did you overcome them? coming through? I mean, the first one, obviously, we say language. Language is a huge component of culture to feel like a fish out of water, right? Let, mm-hmm. Let's imagine you're a warm water fish and then all of a sudden you find yourself in Alaska. How do you adapt and survive? Who will you swim with? And how do you kind of get used to like the new ways of eating and just living, right? I think that, so what's interesting is America as a whole is just such a leader in culture worldwide that for most people who are immigrating to America, even for a small period of time, you kind of know what you're getting yourself into. You kind of know like what the culture is like, what the language is like, you know, like the movies are obviously like worldwide. Like you think that's kind of what life is like. And it's honestly like a, like life imitates reality or every time, like one of those mm-hmm. things, right? <laughs> yeah. But you know, it is kind of that way. But the hard thing is you learn English in a different way. And it's like, I don't know, from Europe. And then you come over and you're like, oh, wait a minute. I can read it. I can write it. I can probably text, but I can't actually have a conversation. And not just have a conversation, but learn. If my goal was to go to college, there's no way I had to go through this process of like learning to think in English so that I can capture the information that I was getting in school and like kind of really let it sink in. And the other thing was kind of being, how do you learn to be yourself in a different language? Like imagine all of a sudden getting dropped off in like Italy and like have to like build new relationships, right? Like, well, you're funny and you're smart in your language, kind of like Sofia Vergara, right? Like, you know, you don't know how smart I am in Spanish. It feels that way. It's like, (laughs) it's like, I am smart. I just can't express how smart I am. And that's so, you know, important. So you kind of are kind of your hands tied, I think, for a while until you get those things. But, the, you know, there are so many people who are willing to help. There are so many resources, free resources, immersing yourself into whatever it is that you, you know, you're going into, like language, that culture, and just kind of really being uncomfortable, right, with not, you know, being yourself for a while and then kind of redefining yourself in that language, I think, really helped a lot. But once I, you know, got into my career, it was all like, it was a Spanish TV station, so it was all in Spanish. I realized that I was kind of like missing out on the real experience of what America was. And I was like, I'm just going to, I need to get out of my comfort zone and I need to start making friends of other 
cultures and and just kind of start practicing more of my English and all that. And once I did that, it was just it was such a huge relief to kind of finally feel like, yeah, I can swim with you guys, and like I know how to communicate with you and connect with you. Like it's one thing mm-hmm. to say ABC, and it's another thing to like actually I want to have a connection with you. And that was so eye opening. Like after that, I went from working at a Spanish TV station to jumping into corporate, right? And like, yeah, doesn't get any more than that, right? It's huge. And, and that was, you know, that was a very good experience. And what prepared me was socializing and just kind of putting myself in very uncomfortable situations, like speaking wise, like having to make friends yeah. of all kinds of folks, right? And I think that's such a good message for all of us, to be honest, just realizing that a lot of times, I guess, you know, in our careers, when we're looking to go to the next level or even facing an obstacle, being okay, like getting comfortable being uncomfortable (laughs) really is a really good message. Like being okay with that, kind of like you mentioned a minute ago, it's always for a season of time, life flows, ebbs and flows and seasons. So We know there's going to be seasons to it, but being okay with just because it's uncomfortable right now doesn't mean it's wrong or bad, right? It just means like you were saying, it's a growth opportunity. I think that's huge. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not forever. Like next thing Mm -hmm. you know, I think I mentioned it in our talk over email. Next thing you know, you're kind of doing it without even thinking that you're doing it. Mm -hmm. And I think that is very powerful, right? Like you get into something really difficult and you get uncomfortable and then you start doing it and repeating it. And the next thing you know, you're doing it and you're, I mean, you've become this thing you thought you could only fake, right? I can only fake that I'm American and I can only fake that I can connect with people in another another Mm -hmm. language. I can only like try. And at some point then you like start doing it. And so you go from faking it to like becoming that thing. And I think that's very powerful, right? It really is. Yeah. I feel like some of the uncomfortability comes in how we see ourselves. Sometimes we see, I mean, at least I'll say from my own experience, the imposter syndrome or my not enough. And then it's kind of the balance between, okay, maybe something is happening and I want to celebrate that. But then all of a sudden these thoughts come that it's like, okay, but everyone is doing this and you're here or or these different things. And I think that's even part of being comfortable with being uncomfortable for a little bit, saying, I'm going to step aside from these feelings or kind of like you mentioned before, I'm going to tell my mind to take a break from these thoughts and put that aside and step into, I'm going to start acting like who I am and who I want to be mm-hmm. and and then walk into that. And I think that that's a huge way of really moving through that uncomfortable to the other side of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned imposter syndrome because I feel like everyone has it Mm -hmm. at some point and some people have it multiple points and some have it throughout their whole life what i experienced was the moment you kind of obviously have to put a pause to it but you kind of have to start believing in you it starts kind of getting easier and easier and the symptoms of imposter syndrome kind of get a little more soft what i think it's important is the daily check-ins right so we have, you know, relationships, friends, family, like coworkers. Every day that you're feeling like, oh, today I don't feel like I can do this, or today I don't know how I ended up here, or you get this amazing opportunity to, I don't know, to influence others as a creator or as a speaker or whatever different opportunity. And all of a sudden that kind of fear creeps in. And then you think, mm-hmm. oh my God, I've lost my whole life. I think if you address it daily, it's harder for it to come up at those difficult times. But if it does come up, 
like really like reaching out to your network and like talking through your feelings. If we only knew the way we see people is the way people see us, like the way you see your kids, they just mm. see you as this like magical, amazing being. Like your spouse sees you as this person who just deserves the world and has been through so much and is loving and kind and all those things. And like if you talk to someone who can see what you're seeing from a different perspective and kind of remind you of the value of you, it's so much harder to get sucked into imposter syndrome because you're like, no, I actually have worked really hard for this for several mm-hmm. years. And so like, it's mm-hmm. just another touch right. point in this journey, right? It's just another thing that I was meant to be. Like this person who's gone through everything with me has just reminded me that I've been working for this my whole life. So why feel like I haven't? I've put in the work. I've seen it. Right. That's so good. I love that. I think that's so good for us all to take with us on overcoming that that self-doubt. And I want to ask what kind of advice would you have or you give other women aspiring to break through that glass ceiling in whatever in whatever respective industries they may be in but I think at some point all of us face it what's your advice on breaking through that I know authenticity is a word that gets thrown around and it's kind of annoying (laughs) but I do feel like everyone brings a very unique point of view so like in my case There were many situations in which I was maybe the only Latina or the only female Mm -hmm. in a corporate setting, you know, kind of influencing, you know, a decision or a focus or a strategy, even in my family, right? Or like everybody has a very unique point of view, right? And so I think once you understand like the situation, what you're trying to solve, if there's something that comes to you that you feel really strongly about, like give that some thought and like try to lay out your, you know, your thinking in a very authentic way. Like there's a reason why things are being discussed. It's because we don't all have the answer. And because my answer looks very different than yours. And so we need to collaborate to get to something that kind of looks and feels right for everyone involved. So that requires authenticity, right? So if if Mm -hmm. my experience as a Latina and as a woman in, in those situations is going to be different than anybody else, I can't think in that setting, oh, I can't say this because it would never relate. Actually, that's kind of the thing that unravels the conversation that we need to have. And so you need to be able to have that ability to be authentic, even in those like work environments and professional environments where you still are able to say, okay, based on my personal condition, my experience and my knowledge, you know, A, B or C, and like not try to say things that you think others want you mm. to say, right? I don't yeah, want to say right. or I don't want to be like, the ultimate decision maker. It really is about your authentic point of view. And I think that comes from listening to yourself and honoring who you are versus trying to be someone who you think others expect you to be. Mm, That's good. Yeah, really bringing yourself to the table instead of just trying to think of what am I supposed to say at this moment or this point? As an entrepreneur and a mom of six, my mornings start quick and early. But I've learned that what I consume in the morning really sets the tone for my day. And yes, I am talking about saving the scrolling for later in the day, but I'm also talking about a healthy morning latte for heightened focus and smooth, long-lasting energy. It can seem overwhelming with endless options when it comes to choosing your daily bevs. So why not fuel your mind while you fuel your body, while you skip the jitters and afternoon crash? I've been using Clever Superfood Latte Blends this past year as I made adjustments to focus on my health, and I am not turning back. Each Clever Blend contains three powerful adaptogens, 500 million heat-safe probiotics, and healthy superfoods wrapped up in a decadent oat milk latte. Just add water, froth, and voila! 
A couple of my faves are the mocha and chai, but there are many delicious ones to choose from. So go to cleverblends.com and use my code FRESHMOMMY15 for a discount just for you. That's C-L-E-V-R-B-L-E-N-D-S dot com and code FRESHMOMMY15. Juggling multiple roles can sometimes lead to burnout. I know I've been there before myself. How do you recognize the signs of burnout in your own life? And then what strategies do you employ to recharge, but also kind of keep a sense of work-life balance? I think burnout happens to everybody in every possible thing. Like you can get burned out of exercising or your job or your personal life. Like there, there are a lot of things that you can kind of get burned out. And the first indication for me is like reactivity. Like I'm like hypersensitive to anything, anyone, and or I start losing sleep. Like sleep obviously is when we process everything at the end of the day and it's like, I can't possibly process kind of where I am right now. So learning to identify like your individual and specific symptoms is really important. And then for me, what I realized like, yes, I'm like, I could kill it at work and I could kill it at motherhood and I can kill it at the, you know, if I can at their relationship, but am I killing it at like being me or taking care of me? And then I realized like, you know, I was being very organized and very dedicated to pretty much everything except for my relationship with myself, which is so silly to say, but to me has unlocked a lot of power, right? So like, okay, if there are seven days in a week, which is usually how I plan, if there are seven days in a week, at what point in those seven days is it me time? Time for me to sleep or time for me to rest or read a book or magazine, whatever I want to do without having to think about all the other things. Because I don't think the problem is doing I think the problem with burnout is the thinking because the doing, like I love feeding my child, so I don't have a problem with cooking. It's just thinking about cooking at 8 a.m. as I'm like thinking about the day ahead. That leads to like burnout of that specific thing and thinking about work after work hours. It doesn't mean that work requires you to be there 24-7 and be there until midnight. Your mind is thinking about it. And so Like one thing that's worked for me is meditation every morning. And it's just like listening to audio and breathing and sipping on coffee for me. That's what it means. But it's like my alone time, my time to be like, okay, like, am I feeling a little sick today? Am I feeling a little like less energetic than usual? Maybe I should like take it easy or like just really like kind of get some things off my to-dos for today. And there are seven days in a week. If I can't get it done today, is it important enough that I need to do it? Or can I do it by the end of the week? And I think having that constant check-in with yourself and, and being graceful to like you, just like you are with others, I think that is so huge. It's been such a big game changer to like see burnout coming versus being a victim to it. Mm, that's good. And I like how you even mentioned the mental workload, how sometimes we'll take that on, whether it be the home, taking care of our kids, or even the mental workload of work that we'll bring home and into our lives instead of letting that go. (laughs) I think that's a game changer right there is adjusting our mindset. So we're not taking on more in the mental workload than we need to. Of course, there are times when you, like you said, you plan and you think ahead, but are we allowing ourselves to almost like live through it multiple times because we're worrying about it and then worrying about it again and then thinking about it and thinking about it again, instead of being present where we're at, whether it's at work or whether it's at home with my kids, or whether it's making dinner, or whether it's time with myself, and then allowing ourselves to be present to do the work when it's time to do the work. Right. Um, I think, yeah, I like how you kind of brought up those different parts of it. 
I know for me, that's where it's helped a lot to to be able to shift my focus and say, it's okay to be at work and let the mental workload of home and the other things go for right now. I'm going to take that, like, just set that aside and keep laying that down while I'm here so I can focus on this work. And then when I'm not here and in front of this computer or this office or wherever I'm at and I'm at home, lay down the other things so I can be present there and with myself. That sometimes I think gets a back burner for a lot of moms is that self-time. Or when we do have self-time, we're thinking about all the other things <laughs> that we that we shouldn't be thinking about in that moment. You know, what's good for me right now? What's relaxing me right now? Like you're saying, sipping yeah. some coffee, meditating, whatever it is. Or am I just rehearsing all the other things that I need to do after right. this 10 minutes is done? You know, yeah. I want to say, Tabitha, it's very different for someone who has a traditional work schedule like me to say those things for someone like you as a creator who is always on. You're always thinking of your channels and your productions. It's really hard. It's much harder to say, I'm going to stop thinking about this because this is, I mean, you are fully responsible for all aspects of your creator career, right? And there mm-hmm. are many elements to it. It's huge. It's, you know, you have so many things to do. So for me, I think it's it's easier to say, okay, I'm, I choose to not think about work when I'm not at work, but there is a physical location to my job. And there is a thing that triggers my job, which is being in that environment and my computer and all that. But for you, it's a creative role, right? And so for you, when inspiration hits, I mean, you could be, you know, in that meantime, you could be in that family time. So the boundaries are even harder to set and sometimes may not even be helpful. Like it's good that you kind of think about it. But I think for people like you who are always on truly 24-7 creators, it's even harder. But allowing yourself at least those moments to okay, it's just me and just me and my thoughts. And, you know, the definition of self-care for you is really important. But I think your profession is definitely something that you should consider when you think about what does self-care mean to me. And <laughs> Right. Yeah. Well, and and that's true. I mean, there are times when, because when your mind is off, a lot of times that's when creativity sparks, when your mind is, you know, not actively thinking about specific things, creativity will spark in other areas. So for that, I would say, yes, like having a notebook or even the notes app on our phone or something like that, just to help jot down some ideas as they come and different things. But like you said, it is important to have that time set aside to Mm -hmm. like just re-energize, recharge, let it go, me time. Well, one more question I want to ask. Anything else you want to say or even a legacy you hope to leave for future women just kind of entering the professional world? Yeah, I think one thing for me that was that was huge is I always felt so alone in any setting. Like in college, I felt like the only immigrant who didn't go to high school here and who didn't know perfect yeah. English. And then at work, I was, you know, the only Spanish speaking person or I was the only person who didn't, you know, share certain experiences and, and all that. And I was very focused on that. I was very focused on like how how my story was so much different than others. And then when I try to kind of talk about it or get help, especially like if it was for my career as a first generation college graduate, immigrant, all the things, there really wasn't anyone in my immediate circle, my friends, my family, my community that I could say, okay, this is what I'm doing. I'm in the corporate world and this is what they just told me. What does this mean? Like, can you translate this for me? Can you interpret it? How would you take it? But 
at some point, I started realizing that if I was vulnerable to the people around me and told them transparently, like, hey, this is what I'm struggling with. Just for some background, you know, I didn't grow up here and I don't have a lot of people that I can rely on. And I'd like to understand kind of like what this means when you talk about this feedback or when this person said this in a corporate setting, how would you take it? How can you overcome it? Mm -hmm. Like really having a vulnerable conversation with people who are nothing like you, right? They don't have to share that experience. They don't have to have already overcome something. But if you are vulnerable enough to tell them kind of what you're going through, you'll be surprised at how willing people are to help. And how they become your ally and your supporter. If that's the one thing you need to like really like bloom and to succeed, then, you know, you can't put it anywhere else. You kind of have to get really creative and really vulnerable. And I think that that was, that's the biggest takeaway for me is like really lean into the people around you. They're around you for a reason. Even in a corporate setting, you can still make friends and you can make very valuable relationships in those corporate settings too. That's so good. I appreciate you being with us and sharing with us today. So many takeaways from being okay to pivot, to going for it, doing it afraid, to walking in that honesty in yourself and authenticity. And even just like you mentioned here, being honest with the people around you of this is what I'm feeling or this is what I'm looking at. How does this look? You know, asking for for feedback that way. I think all of these things are such great ways to overcome obstacles. And so I am thrilled that you were here with us today to share that, to share your journey. I love chatting with you. As always, I think we could just go on forever. So thanks, Ori, for being with us today. And everyone listening, keep shining. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of Radiant Womanhood. If you want more, head on over to RadiantWomanhood.com for show notes. And if you enjoyed this episode, I'd be so grateful if you could take a few moments to rate and review the show. Don't forget to hit the follow button to stay updated on our latest episodes. Friend, I love hearing from you. So shoot me a DM at Instagram at Radiant Womanhood or at Tabitha Blue to carry on the conversation. And if you believe the remarkable women in your life could benefit from this episode, share the link with them to spread the love. Until next time, friend, keep shining.